0: You heard me talk about Waxo, W-A-X-O-H, on other podcast episodes of Something Positive for Positive People. They've been a longtime supporter of the show. They are an online magazine dedicated to destigmatizing STIs by providing stories, resources, and inspiration. Waxo is doing something special for Pride Month. They're talking about health care. And how tricky it can be to know if the doctor you're about to see is queer friendly. Have you ever experienced discrimination in the doctor's office because of your sexuality or gender identity? If you have and you have a story that you want to share, DM me and share that story. Or you can just write to me via email. Courtney at SPFPP.org. I've shared with you my experience when I most recently went to go and get tested at St. Louis Effort for AIDS. I think it's important for these kinds of organizations to get our business. It's important for these inclusive spaces to continue to grow and for more people to know about them. While I'm presenting cisgendered straight male, and um, I hope I said that right. I'm learning, y'all. It's a learning process. I was still asked questions along the lines of... uh, Um, whether or not I had sex with men, if I was a sex worker, had sex with sex workers, if I was non-monogamous, how many sexual partners I've had. And it wasn't coming from a place of judgment, it was more so coming from a place of what additional resources may I need they were assessing my needs and the person who tested me did a really great job of making me feel seen making me feel understood and making me feel safe most importantly to share that kind of information it's important for us to be able to access these resources and I'm thankful that Waxo is taking in these stories so that we can begin to do more about it you've all have expressed to me that you would like more queer representation on the podcast. So last week's episode, we had Ella Dawson on who shared that she is bisexual. We have Saraya Papaya on this episode, which you'll learn about her here in a few minutes, who is also bisexual. And also a relationship anarchist, or she's navigating that right now. So that's a very interesting conversation for us to have. We are also celebrating 41,000 downloads of Something Positive for Positive People. And this will be the 103rd total podcast episode. So thank you all for your support. So while it's episode 87, um, there are a bunch of bonus episodes and part two, part one episodes that are uploaded. So that brings our overall number to 103. So thank you, everybody, for your continued support. We're celebrating having raised $250 um, in the month of June alone. We're celebrating the 501c3 nonprofit status of Something Positive for Positive People. We're celebrating the website being uploaded and up to date and having almost all of the resources on there that I want there. A couple of pages that I'm working on. I'm working on a directory and I'm working. um, There's so many things we're celebrating. So, the t shirts, they're $25. If you want to buy one, you can go straight to the website, spfpp.org, and you can just hit the donate button and we will uh, sort out the shipping situation. But you got to be local. We can't do international yet. That is a very obscene amount of uh, money to spend on shipping. This episode with Saraya, we talk about bisexuality, bi erasure. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, it's very good for learning and having a conversation. I think that that's what you can probably take the most out of. It. It's just that we need to talk to people. And just because someone may seem to reject you, really their intention could just be to correct you. Bam, episode title. All right, so I hope you enjoyed this episode. Welcome to Something Positive for Positive People. I'm Courtney Brain. Something Positive for Positive People is a nonprofit organization that helps people who are struggling with a positive STI diagnosis, get the support resources that they need. In addition to that, we uplift and encourage use of the services and resources of sex educators and sex-positive organizations, such as places where you can get birth control, condoms, and other barriers, STD treatment, STD testing, and more sex education. This is what this is becoming now, thanks to all of the support that we've gotten and the feedback. Thank you to everyone who's been contributing. Thanks to everyone who's donated so that we can help people get their therapy. And we're also selling T-shirts for $25 if you're in the United States, if you're outside of the country. Shipping is a very unreasonable amount of money right now. So as time passes, we'll be able to... Get merchandise outside of the country We're also on Patreon If you want to support us there Just patreon.com slash SPFPP And don't forget to check out the website www.spfpp.org Now we're going to get into this podcast With Soraya Did I say it right?
1: Yes, you did
0: What's the name? Portugal? So I'm Portuguese I was, I
1: was born in Portugal And it's just... I'm used to folks kind of Americanizing it because a lot of folks can't roll their R's. So that's fine. But I started realizing, no, I like to be able to recognize my name when it's said, so Soraya.
0: <laughs> yeah, we can roll our R's. It's not any different than just saying something with an L and it. Soraya. You know, like, it's as simple as that.
1: Yeah, but I know some folks, it's different capabilities,
0: so I just roll with it. <laughs> <But> <laughs> oh, oh I see what you did there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we talked before, and there are so many things that are interesting about you. One of which stood out to me was this relationship anarchy we talked about. Can mm-hmm. you tell me what that is?
1: Okay, well, to me, because I'm still exploring it. It's kind of like the past year I've been thinking about it, and I wouldn't, I'm not an expert on it. But what I can say is what drew me to it was just, it's all about kind of resisting scripts about what relationships should be and what a relationship between some person would look like versus another person in my life. And I'm just like, you know, I just, I just want to relate to people how I relate to them and not have to feel pressure to act certain ways because that's what society dictates that we have to act like. Um, and to me, it's about when you are in a relationship with someone, everyone gets to kind of keep their dignity and be themselves. But still also be with one another, uh, whether that's romantic
0: or platonic or, or anything, really, if that makes sense. Yeah, it, it does make sense. So essentially what we're talking about here is just you being able to be with other people the way that you are in that moment. It's about presence. It's not where is this going? What's our history? Uh, how can we change this? You're not changing anything. You're just literally being with someone as they are and you accept one another and just choose to engage in whatever it is that comes up in the moment.
1: Yeah. And I just also, I, I desire non-monogamy, but I think there's still sometimes hierarchy hierarchies in that, um, depending. And I'm all about everyone's on the same page if you're in my life, but I also don't think that, um, one person one person I guess should be entitled to all of me versus another person or I just wanna be like you said present and with folks the the way the best way that I can be. I'm a I I love people. Like I'm just like hey I love you, love you love you and they're like, you say that to your friends, you say this to this, you say this to that, I'm like why
0: not? It's why crazy not? the resistance that we put up naturally to I love you because we attach all of these expectations to what it means yes. when someone says, I love you. So like, if you're to say, I love you to me, I may withdraw and be like, Oh my God, this means I now have to make sure that I do whatever scripts it is that you've been taught in the past about what it means to be loved by someone. So if I want to continue to get that love, then I have to now act a certain way. I have to act with a script that we probably haven't even discussed. I'm just going off of what my past experiences are and what I think it is that you want. So when I say I love you to someone who may not be used to hearing it, sometimes I'll explain it in a way that's like, you know, what I mean by that is I see you. I see you the way that you want to be seen. I see you the way that you're showing up, the way that you want the rest of the world to see you, the way you are, like, as is, without having to put up any barriers or any kind of resistance. I just want you to be, and I love you because I see that in you.
1: Yeah, there's not these expectations, and, like, you bring me joy. You bring me joy, and I love sharing my life with you in however way that is, so why can't it just be, but it's scary. Some folks hear it, and they're like, oh shit, you know, they think of those past, and everyone... That's completely natural. Everyone's going to bring your own experience into every interaction that you have with someone. That's why that communication piece is so important. Um, and that's, I, I love it. I, I love to talk. And I think sometimes people are like, hey, like this is too much communication for this casual setting. I don't get it. Yeah, and it's
0: just our programming, things that we've been taught. We feel that we have to act in a certain manner with strangers. Like you have to earn the right and ability to be able to have a long-term conversation with me or being able to get to that space where we break through these shells and barriers that we put up around ourselves, our identities almost just so that we can connect. It shouldn't be that way. Like we're all connected. You know, we all should be able to, or willing at least to see people for who they are and get to know one another on that level. So I think that it just—it's—it's it's more fun when people see you and when you see people. Like that's what life's all about. Life's about fun.
1: It's life's about you can be who you who you are. Just you get to be authentic. You let folks in, and they do. They see you. They they accept you. They they're just like yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm here for you. I'm here with you. Yeah. That's what life to me is all about.
0: That's true. We spend so much of our lives collecting this stuff. We have experiences we learn lessons and it just kind of it just kind of sticks to us and then we get to a certain place in life where we're like why am I doing this why am I why do I care so much about the things that I care about and you slowly begin to remove those things layer by layer by layer and I feel like certain people come into our lives that help us recognize that and remove those layers so being able to be open to the experiences that another person may bring into your life that helps you break through those shells. I feel like that's so valuable in being able to express, to be seen, to be experienced. Like I always, there, there are three things that I would say life's about. It's about expressing, exploring and experiencing. Oh,
1: I like, I like that. That's
0: like a cute little tattoo. To put somewhere. <laughs> the three E's of life. Maybe I should trademark that for somebody. Yeah, puts it in a the book. <laughs> so uh that's one thing that stood out to me was a relationship anarchy because I've, I've heard it before on another podcast that we did with dr stephanie k webb if you want to go back and check that episode out it's unscripted relationships and this like hearing from someone who is in that space like i just thought it was something worth exploring for a little bit now another note you also use she they pronouns is that right Yes. All right. Now, when do I use she and when do I use they for you? We're talking about your experience. We're like not in general. This is just one way to look at it.
1: Yeah. No, it's, it's a really good question. I'm still trying to figure it out. Um, I a lot of folks growing up, they, they knew me as just she. It's like, something that's familiar and that I'm used to. And I think about all of the ways I've grown up and, and struggled with other feminine identified folks so that bonds there is why I still keep she Um, and with they I think honestly when you want to use it's for when you want to use it if if I at some point I'm like you know what I'm more of a they today like this is kind of what I put out there then use they but if I say she they use whichever one Um, sometimes I will kind of intermingle between both it's I don't think there's any set setness to it. I also am just very resistant of like being set in anything. I like to just kind of be. So I think that um, that's that's part of that. So you can use she, you can use they. Um, what I would just ask is that you don't say that I am a,
0: a woman. Ah, uh, okay. So essentially, we're not tying you to anything. We're not yeah. tying your identity to what it means by mainstream media society to be a woman
1: yes i i don't i um identify as, as cisgender as i'm just i'm still figuring it out so i can't offer too much more than that okay, um, okay. I, I had i had class this weekend and got to actually like publicly share in my in my group of folks just like hey i'm dealing with this and it was really great to just be be there and be um be able to be authentic and kind of voice that uh-huh. um, because it's it's still new to me i thought at my age i'd be like i know my shit like i know what i'm doing i know me and i don't not yet so still mm-hmm. still still learning
0: about
1: it like well, my, I like, when I did like you say it's my, my second coming out process <laughs> which is weird but
0: when did you begin to explore this
1: say maybe also within the last year two years um, a lot I've been, I've been exploring a lot in the past year I've been a busy busy bee mm-hmm. um, but it's I think it's just around when I think of gender the more that I learned about it and explored and, and worked with folks um, and my, my colleagues my peers my classmates and I realized hmm, this doesn't quite sit well with me but I could never really figure out why so, just still, still exploring. Yeah. Sorry, I can't offer more than. No, than no, that. That, that's
0: okay, and that's. I think that that's important for people to understand is that everything isn't just black and white. Everything isn't you are this or you are that or you're there already. We're getting to wherever it is that we're going and it's an ongoing process for as long as we live. So while you may be settled into a space, you may still be defining what that means specifically for you. So for myself, like I'm he, him, and I don't see myself being anything else just because this is where I identify as and like I've asked myself the questions and done the explorations internally be like, okay. Well, does this sit with me well? And yeah, it does. So a lot of the, um, a lot of people that I may interact with or engage with, it's more of me collecting and understanding and publicly putting it on here for other people to understand. Like, oh, it's not about categories. It's understanding another person. It's not having to understand specifically what it means to be he, what it means to be she, what it means to be they. It's what that represents. And what it represents is just this breaking free from how we're supposed to be, quote unquote.
1: No, I, I hear that. That kind of what you're supposed to be is something that where a lot of shame comes in because of this feeling of being enough. And as a, a queer person, as, you know, bisexual, and now as this, which I'm, I'm still trying to figure out. I'm like, am I enough? Because I don't necessarily have a label for myself yet. Um, Like, I know that I feel comfortable within this community, but sometimes, like, I present very feminine, so I'm like, is it enough? And it's always this, is it enough? When it's like, no, you can just be. The only person to tell you, like, who you are is you. That's it. Um, And you can find communities, and you can, you know, you can share and let people in on that, but... Ultimately, it's it's you, but there is like that's the like shame that I deal with, I'm like oh, am I enough to like say that I'm this? Mm-hmm.
0: I think that this is a good place to ask about sexuality because you mentioned being queer and bi. So, are you bi and queer, or is this where we're figuring things out? So
1: I um, definitely would say I'm bisexual. That's that's part of my journey of saying like, no, I'm bi, and folks asking. little further down the line like oh are you sure like you sure you're not pan you sure you're not this and it's like nope i am very resolutely bisexual but that's also because of unlearning a lot of i guess biphobic stereotypes and what and how or i guess who would define bisexuality versus bisexuals defining bisexuality um and i kind of settled on queer to kind of name that gender piece too while i still figure it out um, but who knows, maybe like genderqueer or genderfluid or I have no idea. Just I'm just there. But yeah. bisexual is definitely, I think, something that I want to claim and put out there and put out to that
0: space. Mm-hmm. You mentioned biphobia. What, what does it mean to be biphobic?
1: There's, I think, different components, but first like, erasing it, thinking there's only, you can either be straight or you can be gay.
0: There's resistance to bisexuality that you mentioned to me before, like there were expectations that come with you saying, I'm bisexual, that other people may have. What are some of those?
1: So I think when whenever I would go on a date and I'd tell someone, hey, I, you know, I'm bisexual, they would automatically assume that I am more sexually active than maybe someone else, or that um, I would immediately be willing
0: to engage with multiple partners at the same time. I think I'm guilty of that. One person asked me, uh, does that
1: mean that I have to be worried about you checking out some girl over there? And so I guess this immediate, can we even be trusted as individuals in relationships? And all of these, I guess, are part of that, these stereotypes. Mm -hmm. And also just as a bisexuality, that you're inherently transphobic because you're you know you're that either, never occurred either to like me like men or you like women and and because folks are like well then why don't you just say you're pansexual I'm like no I'm, I'm bisexual i'm attracted to more than one gender and yeah. i also recognize that there's multiple genders and um it's this idea of because of who I'm attracted to, my sexual orientation should change, which doesn't necessarily happen with other sexual orientations. Um, it's this is all in like a really great book I read that I just Yeah which it was like bisexuality one oh one, you coming out as bi, read this book, it's gonna validate you so much. Oh,
0: okay. It never occurred to me that someone identifying as bisexual would be perceived as someone who might be transphobic. That doesn't make sense to me because I feel like being a part of the LGBTQIA community means that you understand this element of inclusivity. I mean, you like what you like, you know, so no one can argue with you liking whatever your preferences are. To automatically be phobic because you identify as a particular category, it seems ridiculous. It's ridiculous that someone could just be labeled as anti-something because they fall into another category. Like, how do we inherently just make enemies that are fighting for the same cause, that have the same intention of equality and being able to freely express yourself without there being negative consequences from society?
1: Um, well, I think I also want to recognize that there's there is history. There's, there's history within these communities within these communities, and we even have community, like, intercommunity policing of each other, and I don't want to necessarily dismiss these concerns, because um, like, in the book, they were, ta- they were talking hold on a second, hold on, I gotta put my dog out this is, like, unreal <laughs>
0: babe,
1: I love you, but this is not happening
0: <laughs> pay attention to me <laughs>
1: like, unreal um, okay, so these histories there are valid concerns of transphobia within the queer community and the LGBT community Um, and when asked you know why don't that's why I said why don't you just identify as pansexual because it's not transphobic and it's like well it's not bisexuality isn't transphobic either it's just perceived to be because a lot of folks consider it to be very binary it's just you're attracted to both genders when that's not how I define it or how a lot of bisexual folks define it. That makes so sense. Does that, does that make sense? They're like, yeah. oh, you're operating within the binary, so why don't you shift and change your
0: identity to pansexuality and label it as that? So that's or what you erase. mean by it being erased.
1: Yeah. Okay. And it's like, no, you can you can be bisexual and and date trans folks and be attracted to trans folks. like I'm attracted to whoever. It doesn't matter. If I find you attractive, I find you attractive and if we vibe we vibe. Um But I feel very comfortable still calling myself bisexual because my bisexuality recognizes all genders. It's part of that I'm attracted to more than one gender. While if you're going back to like if you're gay or if you're straight, you're attracted to only one gender. And that typically operates within a binary. But I'm not going to say, hey, to dismantle this binary, you need to change your identity.
0: Yeah.
1: Does that make sense? Yes,
0: it does. It does. And so um, going back to the fear of a partner thinking that you're going to be checking out uh, whatever they're not or thinking that you engage in sex with multiple partners at the same time, I think that that's another stereotype worth dismantling because I found myself in a situation like that, making an assumption and Mm -hmm. then being like, oh, I realize what I'm doing, but it takes for sometimes these experiences to happen in order to be able to realize how important it is to just fucking ask someone. You <laughs> just ask like, oh, you're bisexual. Okay. So yes, you like multiple genders, but it's not like, um, you have, you're dating both. You choose to date one or the other at that particular point in time, if that's the kind of relationship that you go into, it's almost this assumption that bisexual people are non-monogamous by default.
1: Yeah, it's and and that's why I also struggle with this because um, I am I don't want to be monogamous, right? And it's how do I exist and be because again the best way to ask is just to okay like, hey, what does bisexuality mean to you versus what does it mean cuz i don't want to speak to my bisexuality and then completely go well that's that's not bisexuality if that's how someone identifies um, i'm having a brain fart right now
0: no you you're just saying ask
1: because we the thing is also we're all human and like we fuck up and sometimes like you're going to say something that someone's going to go wow like what a, like you really thought that was okay to say and it it happens, um, but and it's but it's by having these conversations and and connecting and talking about it that I think we can we can lessen lessen those interactions. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this idea I struggled with this idea of well, you know, bisexual and biphobic stereotypes are that we are non-monogamous or that we are promiscuous or that we, you know, will have more STIs because we are more sexually promiscuous and it's like, how do I exist as a bi person that doesn't want to be monogamous? That does have, does have an STI that, um, in my, with this desire for relationship anarchy, like I wouldn't just date one person. Maybe I would date a few different folks who knows. And it falls into these stereotypes. So there's, there's this like icky feeling about that. But at the same time, it's like, Hey, that's on other people to do that work. Not me
0: hmm The word promiscuity, essentially all it is is just the freedom of expression via your sexuality. And there's sexuality in everything that we do, like whatever that energy is that we take into our workplace, our relationships, friendships, whatever. There's an element of that that's being brought into it. What's the word for not expressing sexuality? There's no anti-promiscuity.
1: Brood, I guess. I don't know. But it's, it, it goes back to these this dichotomy, this typical binary of just like let folks be versus there needs to be an either or. I mean, I
0: love, I love me some gray material. It doesn't need to be black and white. And we just call it free or just being even. I just feel like as long as your freedom of expression doesn't impede on someone else's freedom of expression, we're good. And it's legal, of course. And any acts are consensual between yourself and another person, then we don't have any problems. Like why can't we just get there? I just want us to be there.
1: Oh, we got we got years of work, bud. Years of work. But But I I think we are talking
0: about it, so that's something. Yeah, and that's always a start because while we have so much access to so much information at our fingertips, using it is cool, but there's nothing like sitting across from someone and just being able to have this exchange and feeling safe enough to say the wrong shit or feeling like when you said by phobia and then you mentioned it's assumed that dot dot dot. I was like, Oh shit, I've done that. And I can say that I can safely say, yeah, I've done that. I've been wrong before. And through that I've been corrected. Like we don't take criticism. Well, collectively as a society, like it, it feels too much like rejection. Like you're rejecting my beliefs and, we got to get past that we got to understand that the rejection of an exchange for the sake of just having an exchange for having communication isn't that's not what it is it's just a, a correction we mistake rejection we mistake correction for rejection yeah and
1: just the ability to connect like i want to connect with you but i'm going to let you know that what you said didn't you know didn't jive real well yeah. um and just kind of accepting that and going you know giving you kind of the ability to grow and evolve because we all do like i i was super like biphobic too when i was young like i i am not the same person i was 10 years ago and if i can if i expect everyone that i encounter to be where i'm at that's not realistic not at all and i need to be able to meet them where they're at but i can also set boundaries of like hey you're asking a lot of stuff and it's coming from a really like biphobic like biphobic belief so you know what I'm not going to, edu- I won't be your educator, but here's some resources. Like Google's your friend, find some stuff out and then come back to me. It's, it's been a struggle and just a process and a journey of learning in the past few years that, you know, people are going to think very, very differently from you. And even when they cause you harm, I like still want to connect to go, Hey, but like, why do you think this way? That's it. But not everyone wants to do that. And I sometimes don't want to do that. But it's just kind of figuring out how to navigate all of that. Mm-hmm. And that's just life, and it's
0: messy. <laughs> yeah. And it, it starts with, I think you can pick up on a person's intention. Or if you even just ask them, hey, what's your intention? Why'd you, why'd you say that? What do you mean? Why do you believe that? And you get to understand that a lot of times it's just ignorance. It, a lot of times it's not knowing someone who um, expresses themselves In that way, or who's having the experience that you are speaking on but know nothing about. And two years now, I've been doing this podcast a little bit over two years, and I've come across so many different, unique expressions of human beings who have just blown my mind in terms of ways of living, ways of being. And it's definitely transformed my way. Like, I went from thinking I understood how everything worked. You're a boy or a girl. You become a man or a woman. You either give birth to a child or impregnate the birther of a child. I just butchered that wording, but um, okay. and you know I've heard about gay people. I've heard about lesbians. I've heard about trans people. These were things that I've heard about, and that was it. They weren't seen as human beings. And I think that coming into this space and now having an understanding of all these different walks of life, it's been very transformative for me. And I only hope that by bringing more of that into this space and reaching the kinds of people who otherwise, like myself, wouldn't have had access to the reality of these people that we may have never even met. Experiences, stories. This is how we learn. This is how we grow. This is how we communicate through stories and having the experiences of different people in these different spaces i think that's what we need in order to begin to break down again going back to those layers of shit that we've covered ourselves with throughout life that's how we begin to get down to who we really are
1: absolutely i think when when folks want to connect it's also just recognize and just apologize because regardless like you might have the greatest intentions you're in like i'm very much of your impact still had that impact and that needs to be acknowledged so just if you fuck up apologize and that person like be sincere don't try to tell me where you're coming from just go hey i'm really sorry that hurt you Mm -hmm. what can i do differently or is there any other way that like that i need to support you in this moment type of deal like just just straight up doing a lot of folks i think are not comfortable being uncomfortable just apologize if your impact is terrible. Yeah. And then, with your good intentions, learn how to make a better impact. There you go. <laughs> you know? And if someone's willing to give you that grace, great. And if they're not, let, that's a boundary they're setting.
0: Mm-hmm. Just recognize it. Yeah. All right. Now, going back to this whole promiscuity thing and for people mm-hmm. to have this assumption that bi people are more promiscuous, therefore have STIs or whatever, I... I have an STI. I identify as non monogamous and I haven't gotten shit for either of those. And I'm wondering if it's because of our default response. Oh well it's okay for men to be more sexually active with multiple partners. And then like the SCI conversation is like never really talked about. Yet it's assumed that oh, she sleeps around, so she is more likely to have an STI. Or she has multiple sex partners, so she has an STI. Whereas if he sleeps around with multiple partners, from where I come from, it's like you're more than likely to just have a lot of kids that you probably don't take care of. The STI thing, so you do have an STI, right? Yes, I have
1: herpes. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> but what's
0: interesting, though, is you didn't get that from being promiscuous quote-unquote right
1: no I've had it since I was a kid um maybe since I was t- 11, 12 I don't I don't know like a long time I've had cold sores like all, and my so my present orally is cold sores um and I've had it for like so long I'm pretty sure maybe before I was even menstruating I don't know yeah. <laughs> it's been it's, it's just there I know it's there
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. and we treat it so differently when it's up here versus anywhere else. And what a lot of people don't know is that you can have an outbreak and expression of herpes type one or two on your foot, your ankle, your finger, your hand, your your elbow, but yeah. And so I'm, I'm kind of on this secret mission to figure out like, why is herpes still an STD? Why isn't herpes considered something else? It's a virus that lives in your nerves and it expresses itself on the skin. Like, the visual expressions of what herpes is for it to be more um, expressive on various other parts of the body doesn't mean it's necessarily sexually transmitted. I can have an outbreak on my wrist and like slap you on the face, and now you might get herpes on your face, you know. So it's not sexually transmitted at that point, it's violently transmitted. Yeah, violently transmitted
1: is a good way yeah. of it. <laughs> yeah uh i don't i don't know because i think that was one of my that was my own internalized stigma of just going well mine's not sexually when i was younger like mine's not sexually transmitted so whatever like it's i'm not it's not as bad for me or like i'm better Mm -hmm. because i you know didn't get this maybe from sexual activities um but it's like no, it doesn't make you any better. It doesn't. It's it's just it just is. Like you have something, someone else has something, and that's what it is. It is a virus. Like if we were to normalize it, we all like people get stuff all the time. You can catch a cold. like I can pass on my cold if I make out with somebody, right? But that's not sexually transmitted. Like you're not going to start labeling the like the flu is sexually transmitted. Um, that would be wild, right? <laughs> so, yeah, it's. it's that's but
0: that's part of that stigma anything with that sexual piece is stigmatized mm-hmm. how do you normalize that the cold sores are normal type 1 herpes because it's primarily oral and i get frustrated when people don't say that hsv1 is primarily oral but can be passed on genitally hsv2 is primarily genitally but can be passed on orally so when people are like oh yeah i got genital herpes or i got hsv2 which is genital herpes like there's this common misconception in language use That causes confusion at some point. It causes chaos because now people think, oh, because I have HSV two, I only have it genitally, or because I have HSV one, I only have it orally, and it's very confusing. It's
1: misinformation. It's what it is. Like if if we don't have comprehensive sexuality education, and then we have folks that say that they know these things and then are spouting off incorrect information. You have doctors that don't even have correct information. So it's like, hey, medical schools hire legitimate. Sexuality educators to train your future doctors.
0: It's so simple of a solution. You got to question why it's not being implemented. We have plenty of resources, plenty of well-qualified, well-versed sex educators who are in the space of like just Instagram and social media who can do so much more if they're allowed into these schools, universities uh, to talk about even just consent and beginning to have people understand the anatomy and talk about sex from a pleasure perspective. So you got to question like, why are you not doing this? Like, are you against sexual liberation are you against education are you (laughs) pro-ignorance
1: pro-ignorance i like that i think there's also this connotation around ignorance of it's coming from a place of bigotry versus sometimes ignorance is just not that's what it is it's not knowing so when someone's like i'm not ignorant i'm like yes you are i'm not saying you're a terrible person but i'm saying you have no idea what the hell you're talking about that's what ignorance is
0: that's it yeah so you've left us with everything that i wanted to cover and we recorded this before and you had all these notes and stuff and we covered everything you didn't even need the notes see (laughs) yeah
1: i just i i also learned in the class that i just took that like you're gonna fuck things up so don't don't worry like you you have something good that you can always offer it doesn't have to always be great but um and i had a, a classmate tell me on friday when we were doing a teach back after like they just turned to me and were like yeah i just Looked at you and I could bask in the sunshine of your chill, and it was just the most beautiful thing I think anyone's ever said to me. I'm like, I'm glad, I'm glad you think I feel real chill right now. Um, But that's that's where I'm at, and I think as someone that is is an emerging educator and wants to just share and connect experiences, like I can even say myself, I might I'm gonna fuck things up too. I'm coming from a place of a lot of knowledge because of my graduate degree right now that I'm finishing up. Um, and I'm still going to not get things right all the time, and I'm just going to apologize, and I'm going to do better. And I still want folks to be able to connect with me about these things.
0: So, Yeah, I think that that's the most important value of having an inclusive space, for people to feel safe enough to come to you and say, hey, I don't feel included. And they know that that will be well received. I think that that's important, and I thank you for providing a platform for being as you are, for at least me to feel safe enough to do that. Like, if I feel underrepresented, I can be like, hey, Saraya, um, what about this? Or what about that? You know, just to include that. So you can be found at Transformative Sexologist on Instagram if people want to connect with you there. I appreciate you so much for sharing your experience around... Uh, the relationship, anarchy, talking about some of your experiences with biphobia, talking about, you know, just having gotten cold sores, HSV-1, orally, since a kid, and some of the challenges that you've had to face just around your sexuality to help the listeners of this podcast, because there has been a request for more queer representation, and I just thank you so much for volunteering your experience to this podcast and being a part of the something positive for positive people community, Saraya. Yeah,
1: well thank you for having me. I you know me, I I love talking about this stuff. So queer folks, you wanna follow me? Go right on ahead. I will chat with all of you. I am always I always think it's really important to have more queer content and I'm just glad to be a part of something awesome.
0: Should have said something positive. <laughs>
1: Oh, should I say something
0: positive? No, you're good. We're we're done. I may not even edit this. I think this was perfect.
1: All
0: right. Well are we done now? We're yeah, we're done. Um, so, Soraya can be found on Instagram at transformative sexologist if you want to connect. And if you can, please leave us a rating and a review on the podcast player. It means more now than it ever has before because now we absolutely have to become more attractive to advertisers so that we can begin accepting. Any sponsors and taking the money to be for donations that is going to help people who are newly diagnosed or struggling with their diagnosis to be able to get the support they need. So this means access to support communities. It means access to a mental health professional or some sort of healing from sexual trauma. Um. And then being able to get to uplift and expand those resources from sexual wellness organizations as well. So the biggest contribution you can do right now, um, if not giving money directly, is just to support the podcast. I can be found on Twitter, Tumblr, Reddit, Instagram, at H on my chest. Or you can just come straight to www.spfpp.org and connect with me there. Till next time. Stay sex positive.